Hello, my name's Annie Shaw and I'm a contributor to Art Basel's podcast Intersections. In this episode, I asked three pioneers in the NFT and Web3 world, can tech change social structures or does it just amplify them? What role can NFTs play in activism? And will the volatility in the crypto markets stabilise? It's by no coincidence this is an all-women lineup, and the panellists conclude by discussing their hopes for a more egalitarian space populated with more women and non-binary artists and collectors. So I'd like to introduce my guests. We've got Olive Allen, who is a Russian-born New York-based artist who was an early adopter of cryptocurrency. Melissa Gilmore, who is Global Web3 Strategy Director for the marketing agency Rosie Labs, as well as the founder of the NFT studio Lillian Piper and Christiana Inakimba-Boyle, who is Head of Digital Sales at Pace Gallery. Christiana, let's start with you. You were instrumental in the launch at the end of last year of Pace Verso, which is Pace Gallery's custom-built NFT platform. And Pace is one of the few mega galleries to have really committed to NFTs in this way. How did Pace Verso come about? Was it through demand from artists or collectors, or was this something that was very much driven by the gallery? Yeah, Pace has definitely had a storied history, specifically with artists that we like to call advanced studio practice artists. There are artists that have practice that extend beyond just being able to create within a white cube and exhibit within the white cube that can extend specifically into a digital practice or a performance practice or installation. John Gerard specifically was one of the first who rose to the occasion and developed the Western Flag NFT, which he launched with Foundation. And then after that, it kind of just kicked off specifically with a couple of our other artists, Lucas Amaris, Glenn Kaino, Jeff Studios, all really coming to us and expressing strong interest in working on NFT projects. And that's really how Pace Verso came to be. We wanted to answer to the call and have a place in which our artists could have some form of shepherding within this space, just because there is so much noise and not much direction <laughs> at this moment. And as you mentioned, you work with Lucas Samaras, Drift, Glenn Kaino. They're all artists who have existing digital practices. So there's kind of a natural fit with your roster. But can you just talk us through briefly how an NFT project comes into fruition? I'm most definitely in some capacity involved within the creative process. A lot of the artists will come directly to us and specifically show us a concept or an idea. And what we do is sort of help flesh out how to bring it into the space and specifically utilize blockchain technology to actualize their vision. So for example, with Lucas Samaris, his XYZ series, which were a series of photographs that started in 2012, and he still is continuing to create. But really live within an analog medium. We decided specifically to recreate them and recontextualize them into like their most native form, which is their digital form, and in turn creating them into NFTs. So quite literally sitting with Lucas, (laughs) going through his computer, selecting images, talking to him specifically about the process behind recontextualizing specific images within the series. It's very hands-on, the process that we have directly with our artists. It's quite literally like through the whole thing from the concept to launching the NFT. Of course, a huge part of my role is also strategizing in terms of sales, in terms of launch strategy and all of that. But 
I'm definitely involved within the creative side, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, it sounds exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because there has been a lot of talk about how NFTs are bypassing the gallery system. Artists can, in theory, mint directly to marketplaces, avoiding the need for a middleman. But at the same time, we're seeing a real need for curation in the space, for marketing, for community building, for many of the things that galleries, in fact, do. Do you think we're going to see more mainstream galleries getting into the NFT space? I most definitely think that you're going to see more mainstream galleries getting into the space. I think that there definitely was some form of trepidation and the art world is just naturally like that when there's any form of change adopted but within the last year i've seen some of the other larger galleries starting to change their stance and their artists specifically becoming very interested within the space and dabbling within the space so naturally with that they have to follow that interest so you think it's really artists who are driving this change most definitely and collectors too that's a whole other part of the conversation, which I'm sure we'll get into. But there's an insatiable drive specifically with crypto collectors, crypto natives, whom haven't really been able to interact with the fine art world in the past, but are now having the opportunity through these artists that are bridging this contact to be able to find a place and a footing. And I think that also galleries understand that you have to respond to that. It's an untapped potential there in terms of really being able to extend and branch out into a note collector base. Okay, so we have heard a bit about projects by male artists, and I want to talk for a moment about female artists in the space. NFTs have been touted as presenting a better, perhaps more egalitarian way of doing things that, as we've just said, any artist can, in theory, mint an NFT, and therefore it's a more inclusive marketplace. In fact, we know that's not true. Recent figures suggest that female NFT artists account for something between 5 and 16% of all NFT sales. Olive, if I can bring you in here, you're a very successful NFT artist. You were the first to have an NFT sold at a major art fair at Art Basel, no less, in September 2021. You've had numerous group shows and you had your first solo show at Postmasters Gallery in New York in May. But you started out as a painter. You've got quite an interesting history. I just wonder if you can tell us a bit about how you got into NFTs. Hi, thank you for your question. Yes, indeed. I started as a painter in New York, but I was dissatisfied with the medium. It always felt very limiting. And I always held the belief that an artist should be of her time. And tech, it's definitely of our time. Blockchain technology was booming. It was late 17, early 18. And I decided it's now never. I have to take a plunge. I have to push myself and my practice and be more innovative to be an artist, a person I always wanted to be. And I went all in. I went uh, working in tech and I founded my startup, the NFT space. And I'm here still. Circling back to your question about gender and NFT space, truth is tech doesn't change social structures. A lot of the times it amplifies them. Tech is built by people and people come with their own prejudices and tech is known to be very male dominated. It has been like that historically and NFT space doesn't change much because it's so closely tied to blockchain and crypto spaces. So what would you suggest? What's the solution? Do you have any ideas? If I knew what the solution, that would be a different story. I think in general, really amplify voices. 
It's a conscious choice of everyone, especially collectors. Even the art world still far from being there. And yeah, even given that Gen Z is so open to gender, and they a lot of the times are gender neutral, are very, very open-minded, very progressive, still the majority of collector base aren't Gen Z. It's like uh, older millennials, boomers, etc. And how do you change people's mindset? Gender is a social construct, as many other things. And so many things are so deeply embedded in our psyche. So where do you even start? I seriously don't know. But I'm still hopeful for a change. As am I. And now, a brief word from our partners at UBS. From the same partnership that brings you the Intersections podcast comes the Art Basel and UBS Art Market Report. Out now, this year's edition shows how the global art market staged a phenomenal comeback in 2021. Find out how online sales fared as crowds returned to galleries and auction houses, and how changing global wealth impacted collecting trends. Get your copy now at UBS.com slash collecting. And now back to the show. If we could just go back, you mentioned briefly that you spent time working in Silicon Valley and you founded Decadent, which was one of the very first NFT marketplaces in 2018. And it was during that time you did the first NFT drop. Am I right in thinking you coined the term drop? Yep. Yep. I did the very first drop. Well, strangely, I've always believed that NFTs, digital goods, as I called them back then, have more audience in the retail space versus fine arts. I wasn't even looking at fine art, to be honest. For a marketplace to be profitable, you need volume. And fine art doesn't really allow that much volume. And it's not very accessible. Even though that would drive NFTs mass adoption art, Crypto art, not fine art, but crypto art. What was your experience working in that space at that time? I mean, you briefly mentioned how Silicon Valley is known for being very male dominated. True, true. It was right after the Me Too movement. So it was getting better. A lot of people were confused. It was a safe environment for me, I guess. It was also 2018 it was when people really rolled back on investing, when VCs lost a lot of money and the space had a bad reputation in general. The general morale wasn't there and there was no confidence in the space at the time. But it was a great experience nevertheless. I learned a lot. Christiana, I wonder if I can bring you back in here. As a young Black woman working in the Web3 world, do you see it as part of your role to encourage other young Black women to get involved? I think my involvement within the space, also within the fine art world, are highly influential to a lot of women that look like me and identify with how I identify. So in a lot of ways, yeah, absolutely. Representation does matter in some form. And I also want to use this moment to say I'm not the only Black woman within the space that's doing fantastic things. And there's a lot of incredible women from marginalized groups that are doing really incredible, innovative things. And I think it's important to really, as Olive was saying, help amplify their voices, but not only amplify their voice, support them <laughs> in all capacities. 
it most definitely was a huge driver for me, understanding the fact that there aren't many people that look like me within this space. But I also want to use that as a platform to bring more women in as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you have an interesting background as Olive has. You studied art history and business administration, but you also learned to code, which I have immense respect for. What was your experience in those different spaces and how do they lead you to where you are now? Yeah, I came from a very academic side of the art world and quite frankly, didn't always know that I was going to work on the commercial side. I thought I would work within institutions and then kind of fell into gallery work and really enjoyed and loved it. I've always had an interest with online and being on the computer. I grew up in the 2000s. I was like a MySpace kid. I used to play with HTML and my top 10 and creating my own MySpace themes and all of that. So I grew up on Tumblr as well, which was interesting because I saw the rise of crypto also through that. So I've always been continuously watching the space and had some interest. The reason why I taught myself to code, I'd always had an interest in it, but I never really had any time. And then, of course, the pandemic came and all interests specifically just focused online. And quite frankly, a lot of institutions, a lot of galleries were financially at risk. So the need for me to do that more so came because I just wanted my gallery to stay open, the gallery that I was at at the time, and had time on my hands. I will say that that was a very insulated experience just because I did it during a pandemic where we were all isolated and at home. So it's been really nice specifically through my new role to be able to interact with so many people within the Web3 space who have interests that really align with mine. And I will say also that Verso is so fantastic in the aspect that there's so much room for collaboration. This is a space that's dependent on that. And a lot of the projects that we've done have been with external collaborators, just thinking about projects that we've done with Artblocks, Hash, which is a platform based in Korea. It's been fantastic to be able to really push those interests forward and meet so many people that have aligning interests with mine, but all cumulatively are playing into one aspect, which is supporting artists. I think collaboration is key. It's a bit of a buzzword, not only in the NFT space, but across the art world at the moment. Melissa, if I could perhaps bring you in here. You've been in the blockchain space since 2015. You set up Lillian Piper in 2011 as an experiential events agency, reframing it as an NFT studio in early 2021. What did it feel like to come early into the space? Yeah, early on in 2015, if you talked about blockchain back then, it was to explain something that didn't really exist. You almost had to be a futurist. And then I was just trying to find ways of explaining those esoteric concepts that you knew were going to take place. It was almost like being in 1990 trying to explain the internet. I think it helped that I wasn't a technologist, so I had to lose the jargon and really quickly learn how to put those concepts together and talk about them. And I remember I first got into the space through Jamie Burke, who is really well known in the space now, and he runs Art Live Ventures. And that was one of my first introductions to blockchain. And he was going on a global tour talking about Web 3.0, and I was helping him organize that and just getting all the right people in place. And it was just really hard at that time to get people. He was very futuristic in his thinking and is very successful today, but it was very hard to get people to come in en masse to those events. But the people that did come at that time are really foundational players in the movement today and are doing really well. They honestly saw the future. I remember doing one around art and Rachel Falconer from Goldsmiths saw the digital future for art, for example, and there was Imogen Heap talking about music. It was a time of knowing this thing was coming, not being able to really visualize it, but having to talk about it because it was just so important. It was just so groundbreaking. 
this blockchain technology and how it was going to affect all disciplines, including art. So, Melissa, what was the catalyst that propelled you to set up the NFT studio? It was probably like most people that ended up in NFTs in 2021 and it was COVID hit. I couldn't do events any longer and I love art. At the time, Clubhouse came along as an app. I knew NFTs were coming and I'd seen them emerging. And there was an NFT hub in the time on Clubhouse. And I just spent hours and hours. It was locked down, just listening and learning. And then I took a punt and hooked up with some artists to support them in the space. There was Unskilled Worker. We just connected really well. Adam Broomberg, it was Hyper Vague and um, Sparrow Reed that I connected with. And I think what I could really bring to the space at the time was this matrix of experience around, Olive, you mentioned it, but it's entrepreneurship, I think is just really important because you're always just having to, conceptually, every time you do an NFT, it's like creating everything that you would almost need to create a startup business. I had the experiential marketing, which I got excited about seeing, being able to apply into the metaverse. So it was all a natural fit. One of the artists you've mentioned you work with at Lily and Piper is Adam Broomberg, and he very early on learned to use NFTs as a tool for activism. Melissa, you and I have had conversations about the different movements and schools now coming out of the NFT space, but I wondered if you could just speak a bit about how digital art activism is emerging as its own kind of movement. Yeah, like the digital art activism is really emerging in areas that people might not have thought about, like trash art movement, which is rebelling against copyright. And there's a death punk movement, which is putting two fingers up to the art market and it's hunger for money. And then there's Women in Crypto Art, which was co-founded by Sparrow Reed as a response to male domination in tech and just trying to provide nourishment for female crypto artists. I'd love to see this list grow. And then there's individual artists. Like I've worked with Unskilled Worker, who's really pushing the feminist agenda and her own quiet way with her paintings. But really, it is a very male-dominated space. We just can't deny that. And I think going back to Olive's point around gender and changing attitudes, I think even for myself, I'm older. I was born in 69. So one, I was really surprised to find a lot of people my age actually in the space that were hiding behind avatars. But also, I think... Some of those constructs that you might have come in where gender was more binary in the way that I was brought up, you become naturally educated and learn so much by having taken part in the space. And there's so much of what I think my world's very different to what it was a year ago. And just I think positively the space will do so much for the way people think about just bridging generations between Gen Z. I think the way that we judge generations is going to disappear more and more, I hope, through technology because it just almost wipes out age and puts people more into a horizontal sphere when you go into the metaverse. Age doesn't exist there. It certainly has the capacity to level things, potentially. To go back to something we discussed a minute ago, collaboration is a bit of a buzzword in the NFT space right now. And it is, in fact, a model that's gaining traction across the art world. We're seeing more and more collectives in major shows, such as the Venice Biennale and in the Turner Prize. Melissa, if I could come back to you, why do you think collaboration is such a key concept when it comes to NFTs? The NFT technology suits it immensely because, one, you can see every transaction on the network, so it creates transparency and trust. It enables communities to be glued together. It also allows for proceeds to be split to various parties. So you don't need the middlemen or complex contracts. And it works because you can layer and work on digital art real time. So you don't have to physically post a canvas. Just, I don't know, the digital technology of being able to interplay with art, but then see all the people and all the parties that contributed to it really transparently on the blockchain. It's such simple technology, but it's wonderful to just bring that glue to all parties involved. 
And something we've discussed again recently is the fact that there are more artist collectives emerging. Why do you think that is? There's a concept called DAOs, which is a decentralized autonomous organizations. And this ability to form DAOs is, I think, quite instrumental in the collectives that are going to form. And it's almost like the tools of the NFTs give a mechanism for membership and governance. So governance now becomes ownership rather than our traditional construct of equity. You don't really need a power play to make it work. And in that sense, you end up with the art collectives that you might have seen in the 70s, but with a digital face, so to speak. Christiana, from a gallery perspective, what does collaboration look like? Are you working with artists outside of your roster? Are you increasingly partnering with other galleries or institutions or art making spaces? We still very much within the embassy, but from the beginning of Verso's inception, we knew very early on that collaboration was key to the success of the platform. And also just in terms of being able to really enrich and bolster the ideas that our artists are trying to conceive and create the works that they are putting out there they deserve to be in conversation with other artists outside of our programming specifically artists from the crypto space that's what collaboration looks like it also looks like in terms of other platforms within the space that have some form of a long-standing and relationship within the community and also have their own specific communities as well. Talking about art blocks, talking about hashed past the baton specifically was the first iteration of that, but we've done several projects with art blocks as well. Our first Leo Villarreal, that's going to be a continued partnership. So we're all for collaboration, both on the artist side, but also specifically on the institutional side as well. I think it'd be remiss not to mention the recent crash in the NFT market. There's been reports of sales crashing by a whopping 92%. I just wondered if I could ask you all what your take is on that and whether you're bullish or bearish about the future of the NFT market. Olive, I know you posted something on Instagram to that effect. What do you think? I'm both. That's my sentiment about the market. Obviously, there has been a lot of speculation lately, which is explainable. It's early days. Everybody had that dream to make it quick. In our system, not many things are working. And crypto NFT market was that dream when you were able to make money quick. And it attracts a lot of people. It's understandable, especially the collectible market that has been very vibrant and exciting and a lot of action, a lot of trading going on. Yeah, and a lot of projects fail to deliver or provide any value. That's also the truth. Market corrections are normal. And as we know, it goes in cycles. It goes up and comes down. And it's, it's a great period of consolidation right now. The markets is just a great, great time to really see what it's all about. Who is capable of building things, what artists are capable of sustaining their practice and moving forward. You'll be surprised. I think next wave is going to be gaming, it's going to be metaverse, it's going to be thousands times more. More action, more people, more interesting, innovative things. That's a future hole, in my opinion. I'm excited. That's good to hear. Christiana, what do you think? Is the bubble bursting or are we just seeing a leveling out? I think we're seeing a leveling out. Again, as I said earlier, there's so much noise in this space and so many people rushed to the boom. And I believe that it's a moment for correction. A huge part of Verso's existence was 
to provide some form of editorial consciousness to the space and really set some form of standards in terms of the type of projects and works that we were putting out. So I do think that people are starting to be more selective about what they're actually backing and supporting and collecting. And with that, sales will go down. But I personally expected this. I don't know how long it'll last, but I think it's par for the course with any new creation or space for there to be like a correcting moment. And then things take off to the next iteration. Melissa, are you bullish or bearish about the future? I'm bearish for artists at the moment, which is, I really hate saying it, but I'm bullish for the brands and I think what's happening is we're seeing the meta and the brands coming in, really, really, really big brands coming in. They're going to utilize NFTs for the technology that suits them to build communities, loyalty, fan bases and everything. And unfortunately, like most things, the artists have almost helped build it in a way because they've created that it's a bit like gentrification. They bought in the cool coffee shops and the little boutiques and things like that. And now we're going to see this influx of brands, but it's a short-term bear for the artists. I think that it's also a time for recategorization. I've got some thoughts about whether you can even blanket this into the word NFTs. This time, I think, is over, though. This innocent is almost going to be a bit of a loss of innocence in some ways. We've heard your views on the market, but more generally speaking, what do you think the future holds for NFTs? Are we going to see more equality, greater diversity as Gen Z rise up and become bigger players financially? What are you hopeful about and what are your concerns? Christiana, could I start with you, please? Yeah, I do think that as education really starts to expand and more people start to really dabble with the space that there will be more diversity through that. I'm also hoping specifically as demographics change in terms of the investors within this space, that with that, the way in which wealth is distributed will also change. I'm just thinking about Pass the Baton, that project, which specifically was meant to recontextualize the conversations that we were having around the way in which NFTs were utilized. So I'm hoping with projects like that, with more individuals from different demographics, more Black folks, more queer folks, just people from marginalized communities that are able to interact with the space, things will sort of change a little bit. Are you finding collectors are changing? There was a big crypto bro element of people who were fueling the NFT, certainly in the early stages of the boom. Is that demographic changing? It's most definitely changing, albeit slow. I've seen so many collectors that had sworn off the whole NFT craze and were thinking this was just a phase or a scam change pace and actually become interested in some form. I think that also specifically goes into education. It comes really down to it. And a lot of that has been just me educating collectors, talking to them about artists who work within the space, about the very technology itself and information points. I think we're a couple of years out (laughs) from seeing traditional art collectors really playing around. But there are definitely people that are starting to change pace and invest. Olive, what are you hopeful about and what are your concerns for the future? I'm very hopeful for the future and you must be <laughs> What are the options and do the best you can? I secretly hope that a lot of 40 plus tech bros will make too much money and disappear. <laughs> I really hope that. I really secretly hope that. So like younger generations can come in and more women, more non-binary collectors, artists can come and build the space and make it better. 
actually more fair and more inclusive and more innovative and more interesting. Melissa, can I ask you, what are you hopeful about and what are your concerns for the future? I hope that we could come to a point where we can stop calling them NFTs. Really, it's a mechanism for delivery and putting art on a website didn't mean it was web art, even though there's a style to crypto art. There's some of the schools that I've spoken to you about, like generative art and crypto art and lumping art together as a blanket of NFTs, I hope is something that won't stay and that as the market matures, these categories can come out and will become clearer for the benefit of the artists as well. And then in terms of diversity and equality, I certainly hope so. I think it's one diversity and bringing more equality into the space is something I've just been so passionate about from the beginning and the people that I've collected and met along the way. So I'm working right now on a project called The Platform, which is going to sit at the front of Web3 Publishing. And we're working with Metapurse, who was well known for buying the Beeple. Ironically, they're huge advocates of diversity despite people being the opposite in terms of representation. But they've funded us to date to be able to tell artists stories from the edges as an incubator for Web3 publishing. So we're specifically focusing on diversity and bringing in catalogues, artists, trying to go for preservation and sustainability to enable artists to sell art and stories more in context of their stories and their art, rather than being financial trading instruments sitting on platforms that get flipped. So Things like that. It's really exciting time for what's ahead for people, especially when artists start getting empowered with being able to use NFTs like a tool and a paintbrush or a canvas or an experience to convey their work rather than that crypto bro financial trading instrument hoping for a fast buck. Yeah, so it's a really incredible time for art ahead, I think, even with this blip. And we're going to see movements in schools come out of it and realise that looking back, we've redefined the art market in a way and created a new paradigm for art history. That's what I really hope will happen. Well, that's a really good place to end it. Just leaves me to thank you all for joining me. Thanks, Annie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Intersections, the Art Basel podcast brought to you by UBS. To make sure you don't miss an episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please tell a friend and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Audiation.